and welcome to season two of the Court of Three podcast. This is episode 69, and I am your host, Spencer Breedlove, and I get to do this podcast with my best friend and the wisest person I know, Lisa. Thanks. Hello, everyone. You are welcome. On our podcast, we hope to inform your mind, inspire your heart, and ignite your joy. We're going to talk about things that maybe make you think, laugh, crime, sometimes all three. So wherever you are today, and we hope that you will share in this conversation by listening to this podcast and also sharing it on your socials or with your friends and your families by text. Sorry. What are you sorry for? Well, there was some editing snafus <laughs> in there, and I was like, what does that mean? I can't even read that. <laughs> what happened? Sorry, I got a little distracted. You did get a little distracted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so on this week's episode, we are going to keep going on with the conversation on saving your marriage before it, before starts. it starts. It's also a an assessment tool that I use in my premarital coaching and uh, when I'm talking with engaged couples or those that are about to be engaged, and this is something that really has been very beneficial in launching some really, really cool conversations with mm-hmm. with these uh, young couples that are getting married. And tonight, or this week, we are going to talk about the two biggest pieces of baggage that you can bring into the marriage. All right. Yes, we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, all right, rather than a question of the day, so we're going to kind of go off script uh-huh. just a little bit. Rather than a question of the day, Lisa, I know, has stories from her fall break experience, everything from like a robbery. Yep. Okay, stick it back. I won't tell your stuff. Um, and to family experiences and beach to mountains, eighty degrees to thirty degrees. You've had uh, quite a journey since leaving the area last Thursday, and um, so do tell. What are some of your Adventures. Adventures. Oh, boy. Let These are me. great stories. Yes. Through several states and lots of adventures. And wow. Uh-huh. You can cram a lot into just a few days of fall break, if you were ever wondering. Um, you did. It started out, we wrapped up our conferences at school, and a great way to end that My friend picked me up after my last conference on Thursday. My bags were packed. I actually took my bags to school, and some of the kids were very curious and asked if I was going to spend the night at the school. I said, no, but she picked me up after conferences, and we headed straight to Hilton Head, and that was a wonderful, relaxing time. We had all day Friday. We walked just that one day over eight miles taking in the ocean the smell the um the sm- it just smells different it does you i breathe much better in ocean air you breathe much better 
in like, I the literally, Florida coast or on the Carolina coast? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's the ocean. Oh. It's when I stand next to the water and take a deep breath and my feet are in the sand. It's, Do you think it does something like purifying the air? I think it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Yes. So that was just a great time being with my friend, just the two of us, and having a leisure, leisurely day of breakfast and, you know, lunch, sitting on the beach, and then some things that she needed to do, which were just fun to experience with her, some errands that she had to do while she was there in that in the town. And then we came back home. So we just have fun in the car together. Yeah, you mean? had an adventurous yes. moment. So like, as we're leaving that island, if you know anything about Hilton Head, you need it. to go to the bathroom <laughs> before you get too far away. That's true. Just right as you're leaving the island, you need to stop at that last gas station because there's nothing for a long time. So we were going to just run quickly in. We're approaching the door and... I, she's a step or two ahead of me, and I'm watching kind of this go down, trying to figure out what's happening, but she's not opening the door, and the two men inside the store are actually holding the handles on the doors. There's some big dudes, yeah? Yeah, big guys. Like, I, what, you know, I mean, what you could I, I can't, right. And that's the thing. One was kind of mouthing to her through the glass, I couldn't see it, but she's repeating out loud, they're closed. And at the same time, kind of her mind's processing, my mind's processing, and we're like grabbing for each other's arms to say, get out of here, run back to the van. Like this, something's bad is about to happen. And all of a sudden, the guys swing open the door and one of the larger guys just very jovially is like, gotcha. That was terrible. What? That's a bad joke. Yeah, he's like, just kidding. It's, you know, the spooky month of October. I'm just pranking. And we're like. It's a great way to get That was not funny. And he felt bad. I think he did realize he really did scare us. So he's trying to high five us and he's really apologizing. We're like, that's not cool. That's not cool. That's terrible. You know, and then it, it just kind of kept going as we're trying to find the bathroom back in the back corner it's you know a little sketchy back there and then the lights go out while we're in the bathroom like it just was like what in the world is this like you know haunted gas station i don't know at the circle k but things were afoot at the circle k (laughs) oh so that transpired all was okay. It was funny. We could laugh about it after our hearts, you know, stopped beating so fast. We were fine. We made it back. And then I immediately, upon arriving back into town, got in the truck with you and you drove me to meet my sister mm-hmm. so that we could drive to North Carolina. <laughs> right. So I had a lot of time in the car on Saturday, but again, that was fine. Christy did a good job getting us up the mountain, went to Waynesville, North Carolina, and it was going to be a birthday party for my aunt the next day. How old your aunt? She celebrated her 90th birthday on Sunday. 90 years. Yes, and she looked great, very sharp, and 
Um, it was just sweet to be with family that we hadn't seen in a long time. But the place that they decided to have the party mm, kind of was like a cross between the shining, the way it looked like yeah. this big old hotel on the hill, and um, kind of been closed up for a while with not much uh, life going on in it. But then opened up for this party where they've taken the drape cloths off of the furniture and yeah, um, dusted things off, but also kind of had this Bates Motel <laughs> eeriness about it too. Um, as we explored just a little bit around, it was just. Were y'all the only people there? Well, it was the party. I know. No. I'm saying for the party. Was there anything else going on at this place? Oh, no, 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 no. Everything's closed off except... I mean, this was a... I mean, based on what that picture you showed me, that was a big place. It's humongous. But the only part that we were allowed to go into was right in the lobby of the hotel. Yeah. They pulled some chairs around for us. We we turned, you know, like the check-in counter. We turned that into kind of the bar where we had some flower arrangements and some of the food. And then we had some food on some tables. And they really tried to brighten it up with the flower arrangements. Those were very, very, very pretty. But it still had a spookiness to it. Did it, it smell bad? It, it smelled kind of like it. had an old been, smell. Yes, yeah, city. Sitting there. Yes, Mm. Musty, mm. a little bit. Sounds a little, but it had a lot of character. I bet. Just imagine it being back in the day of the forties and fifties, and a really <clears throat> nice, ritzy place. But it's going to need a lot of work. Yeah. So after that, though, we head home today, and. I'm in the bathroom again at a gas station, and I come out of the bathroom, and I hear yelling and, like, screaming and profanity, and my sister's like, come here, come here, come here, look, and there was a fight in the parking lot because... A patron had stolen lottery tickets without paying, and the manager was chasing them. The people were trying to get away, but their car wouldn't start, so they're trying to push it. Oh, good grief. I, I know. The police had been called. The people in the store were a little uneasy. We were like, we don't really want to leave while that's going on in the parking lot, you know, a little fearful, but we're kind of stuck inside the gas station now, just watching. So y'all are watching it go down windows. from this gas station. Oh, yeah, from the windows. Yeah, yeah. Then they begin to do donuts around the... They finally got the car started. Finally got it started between the two people, but they're still yelling. The manager's like, you stay here. The police have been called, and they're, no, we're getting out. And they're, But they begin to do donuts around the gas pumps very recklessly, which was scary. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm afraid they're going to run over him because he's, like, trying to chase them. Was this another circle guy? Not a good idea. It was the Sonico. I don't know. No, oh. I don't think it was. I don't know. But finally, Christy and I, the, the car finally pulled out, almost caused some cars to wreck out in the road. But they gunned it and took off. The manager came back inside, and we were like, 
let's get out of here. And so we ran as fast as we could, got in our car and left. So I'm kind of done with gas stations for a little while. Yeah. And certainly don't want to go to the bathroom in one again. Well. <laughs> for a while. Aren't you glad I didn't stop at a gas station on our way um, when yeah. you about couldn't yeah. make it? Yeah. Home Depot was much better. Yeah, Home Depot's a little better. There was no fight, no pranking, no robberies, no nothing. Thing. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we, I got the license tag and I could make a full description, but I really didn't want to stick around for a statement to the police. Right. We just left. There was plenty. You mean you didn't with, want to get involved in a legal I did not. Action? I, I did not. I mean. Not I, in this one. No. No, not in Why not? I just. You were ready to go. I was ready to come home. You were done with it. So I have had quite an adventure, like you said, from the beach one day was 81, 82, to then I woke up in the mountains one morning to about, it was about 35 or 36. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably a little chilly up there this morning. It was. Mm Mm-hmm. So a good fall break. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I missed you. I missed you, honey. Yeah, I'm glad you're home. Thank you. But you were working, so well, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I, that I did, went away. I did do some. I was doing some work. Yeah. Um. Watch the Georgia Bulldogs yeah. beat up on the Kentucky Wildcats. That was yeah. pretty good. I heard about it. But I did miss you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Glad you're home. Thanks for telling the stories. Yeah. So <clears throat> let us dive in to what we're going to talk about. Two of the biggest pieces of baggage you bring into the marriage and this is everyone oh yeah oh yeah this is everybody okay this is everybody okay so last week we started talking about context now the word context that's just a sweet way of saying you got some baggage okay what that you have context it's just a sweet way of saying you have baggage you're talking about last week context on two people coming together yeah yeah Okay, well, you didn't... Yeah, last week we started talking about context. That's what we started talking about. Yes. And today, because we talked about the social support systems. Correct. And how that could be, you know, some baggage in people's lives and the relationships they're bringing into the marriage and the ones that they are, you know, from the families and in-laws and... tonight we're going to talk about the two biggest... Yeah, these are the biggest pieces, I think. I think these are the two biggest. Okay. So what would you say the two biggest are? Money and expectations. Okay. Money and expectations. Those are the two biggest pieces of baggage that people will bring into the marriage. Get this. So in regards to money and money style, okay, researchers, researchers at the Wharton School and Northwestern University found that while people hope to marry someone with a money style similar to their own, they more often than not marry their financial opposite. Which is interesting. More often times than not, they marry their financial opposite. Okay. So, in our relationship, I am a spender and you are a saver you are definitely the saver and i am definitely the spender i yeah i'm not gonna say anything else about that i just i will just spend money you've already shared some symptoms 
Yes, for sure. So m- that is that's very true, though, is that more often than not, people will marry their financial opposite. Now, the other thing about when it comes to money, uh, you, we'll talk a little bit about the money style right now. There's some budget skills, financial fears, and then and then debt. All right, those are those are some of the things that we'll that we'll address tonight. Okay, we'll do it pretty quickly. So let's talk a little bit about the budget skills. So one of the most important financial areas for newlyweds surrounds the need for a budget. Now, I don't really remember when we got married. I don't really remember us um, nailing down a budget. Right. We didn't. We didn't really. We didn't really have enough to make a budget. Right. We were like, we have a budget to pay, and that bill to pay. Yeah. We have to live on the rest. Right. Yeah. We had landlines. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have a little less complicated. We had some internet, but it was all dial up. Right. There was no Wi-Fi. Right. Your big thing was your rent. Yeah, rent. Mm -hmm. That was the main thing. But I think the main thing about the budget is that, like Dave Ramsey says, you tell your money, you give your money a name. Yes. You give your dollars. You're telling it where to go. And you are disciplining your money, not your money, telling you what to do. And we quickly realized that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a year or two in, we begin to see the need to talk about a budget and to to lay down, you know, some, I guess, guidelines for how we were going to use our money. And we haven't always uh, been, I think the budget piece, when it comes to budget, just for me and you, I think this has probably been one of the harder things that we've ever, that we've done. Probably, yeah. As far yeah, as yeah, I, I might agree. Yeah, because remaining consistent and being on the same correct wavelength or page. Yeah. Yes. Because there may be times when I will spend some money and then I may not say something about it, and then it comes back up, and it's like, well, why don't you tell me about it? Yeah. Why don't we talk about it? Yeah. Um. So I think. The budget piece is a critical component that you have to talk about in your marriage. And when you talk about the budget piece, it's going to kind of be obvious the spender, the saver, you know, where you where you align. Right. With those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think in like for us, what's interesting is I will do the budget because I like to do it on. The technology that you we like, I like the technology piece. You don't, but like paper. Yeah. But you, as a saver, as far as when it comes to um, our money management, mm-hmm. how how do you normally? Um, what's the question I'm trying to ask here? Yes, you're a saver, but why is it that there's, why do you think that we struggle 
so much in terms of our communication there? Oh, in communicating about the budget? Uh Uh-huh. I think just being purposeful to set aside the time to talk about it is probably our struggle. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Do you like talking about it? Sure. Yeah, with you. Um, I, it, it, but again, I think it's we we've never found that rhythm of when to talk about it. Yeah, I do not like to talk about it when it's a mess, and you, you kind of sometimes come into it when it's a mess. Yeah, and we're going to fix a mess. Right, I don't like that. I want to go ahead and start from like at the beginning before it's a mess, and let's have things in place before it's a mess, and stick with what we say. Yeah. But that doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen. And we've tried the one, you know, we got to do this like once a week, but then life happens. And so how, how could we, or how could other people really practice and, and be more disciplined on that? What could we do differently? I don't know. Sure, you do. You just like the girls. Well, I say give me all the money and I'll dole it out. That's what would work. But (laughs) well, maybe that's what we should do. Go back to a checkbook register. Just go back to the very go back to an analog system. Yeah, you see right there on paper how much you got. (laughs) Just go back to the analog. But no debit card. Like that's the thing that kind of messes it. It just. It's so easy to spend it. I don't like the debit cards. You like operating on the cash. Oh, yes. Yes. Cash is money. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, it's real time. I don't have to wait for something to clear. Yeah. Yeah. And. And it hurts when you spend it. Well, not necessarily that it hurts. I don't think it has to hurt, but it's, you, you weigh the cost literally out a little yeah, better. True. Look at the cost. The opportunity cost. So why is the budget conversation between a pre in a in a in a couple's life so important? Well, because I mean just like the two I would think you're you know, you're merging finances and it just it comes out When you talk about a budget, like, what are our goals? Yeah. What what do we envision with the money we make and the things, you know, that we want to do with it? Well, yes, there's bills and taxes and things that you do have to cover, things just to live, you know, on a daily basis. But past that, the two of you coming together, it can really be a cool thing to to talk about and to see on paper and work it out that this is a goal that we're trying to and operate it like a business. Yeah, this is what we're trying to move towards. If yeah. we want to give more money away or we want to save for this trip mm-hmm. or this or that or stock away for our kids or Whatever that is, I think it just, again, it really, there's a a piece of that that can bring you closer together mm-hmm. in doing that. 
It takes a lot of hard work and but it, yeah, consistency it and discipline. And consistency, yes. And two people working at it. It can't be one that has all this in their mind. It has to be the two. You know, from a Listen. from a realistic standpoint, what's always frustrated me is once we would get to that point of, uh-huh. all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden, bam, something would happen. Something happens. Yeah. Something would happen. Murphy's Law. And it's like, man, we can't, we can't go, you know, two steps, and we'll go two steps, and then we'll take three steps back. Right. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And maybe that's just... Mm-hmm. That's frustrating. It is. But sometimes I think that's maybe the Lord saying, okay, are you really trusting me in this? This is what you said you're going to do. You're going to stick with it. So along those budgeting skills, the the next part of this whole Simbus assessment deals with financial fears. And when you're talking about money, money often represents power and control in a marriage relationship. So... The more a couple agrees on their financial approach, the more likely they are to feel respected by one another. That's very true. Okay. That's very true. So. And the other one doesn't feel, you know, when when I'm being communicated with, when you're being communicated with, when we feel like we're working our budget together then I don't feel like you're making me do this or you're controlling everything or. Yeah. So some of those fears that are mentioned and and discussed in, in this report, one is lack of influence, which is not having a say in the financial approach. That's a fear. Lack loss of security, which is not having enough to live on or enough for emergencies. That's probably too much debt or that lack of respect, not receiving respect from their partner on finances and then not realizing dreams, not being able to do what they want in the future. Right. Um, in those four fears, um, where do you think you would be? I have an idea where you'd be. I'm, I'm interested in what you would say. As you look at it, I would like say, what I want more or what I feel like there is. For you personally, like if you were to say, I'm going to be more in line with lack of influence, loss of security, lack be of respect, not realizing dreams. I'm going to fall in the not realizing dreams category. That's you. Yeah. Meaning you think I don't realize your dreams. So, no, not that. This would be where I, my financial fear would be. Your own fear Mm -hmm. is that we won't realize our dreams. Yes. That's where mine is. Okay. Yours, I think, is in the loss of security, not having enough to live on or enough for emergencies. I may be wrong. Eh. No? No. Do you have a fear? Not really. No? Okay. No, I would think I'm more, 
where it says lack of respect, I think that's pointing to the other person, though. Okay. Not receiving respect from their partner on finances. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's all right. I'm not fearful. No. No, I'm not. I'm not saying you're fearful. But I think it's a. I think it's a reality. Um, as well, I'm probably in that loss of security, and then the not realizing the dreams. There. Okay. Is where I would fall. So how does it help you? Well, I where it, where it helps is this: is let's say you're in that lack of respect. That's yours. Okay. So if I know that, and you know that, and we agree on all right, this is this is your current reality. And we move from there with a clear understanding that, okay, Lisa is with, uh, I need to be able to respect. You need to show her. more respect. I need to show more okay. respect. Okay. To you. Not saying that I'm disrespectful. No, I wasn't saying that. No, I don't. But, uh, I don't, I didn't hear you saying that, but it's a, but it's a, maybe a reality there. I'm just thinking about with budgeting. Mm -hmm. Correct. What I'm talking uh -huh. about. So with my understanding of that. Because we see things very, very differently. Very differently. So it is merging of the two. Yes. And then not having enough to live on or enough for emergencies, um, you know, or the... Not realizing. Realizing, Drew, so I would need to help you see how we can. We can realize. Live out some of those. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we'll work at it together. Make sense? Got it. So, and then obviously then there's the whole debt um, situation that people will bring in. Yeah. Marriage. A study looked at a survey that was gathered from 1,010 randomly sampled newlywed couples and found that starting a marriage with consumer debt has a, quote, negative impact on newlywed levels of marital quality. Was that even a, a faith-based survey? I, I don't, I don't think go. so. I don't think it did either. No. It's just saying any people. And, like, that's common sense to me. Right. But, yeah. So... And here's what's interesting is that a surprising number of people discover massive amounts of school debt and credit card debt only after they marry. That's obviously something that's going to create friction because the other partner feels duped, asking, wonder what else they're hiding from me. Right. So maybe they just haven't had the conversation and shared. And I think sometimes maybe even, especially with younger couples that are engaged and looking to be married, they just kind of haven't played that tape out. They've been going to school. They've gone to grad school. It's all been delayed. Right. They've lived with mom and dad and had other things covered and haven't really thought about that playing into the fact that, boom, all of a sudden in this year, I'm going to start getting a school loan bill. <laughs> yeah. So whether they intentionally hit it or not, I think sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could see where that would be like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> we never talked about this. Right. And again, 
here, that means that that person is assuming that debt as well. It's the two of them. Yeah, it's the two of them. And so that right there would make you have a feel a lack of respect. 100%. That fear. That's right. That's exactly right. So the debt component is definitely something that in a premarital coaching um, situation, you got to talk about it. And we get to talk yes. about it. Yes. And in we that, help them walk and you help, them. yeah, we help them walk through those challenging conversations. And and it can be a little tense. It can be a little awkward and because one side feels really guilty, especially if you're, if one is, if one side of that relationship where mom and dad did a great job, you know, provided or they did a great job in school, they got scholarships, there's not a whole lot of school debt, they took care of their money, they've invested, they've got good jobs, things like that. But then on the other side of that equation is you may have a um, a potential spouse that comes in and they're they're trying to manage their school debt, they've got it deferred, you know, they're trying to get a good job and they don't have everything together. And so when they come together as a couple, You've got one that's bringing in a mountain of debt. You've got another that has no debt and and has done very well financially and prepared and things like that. And and it can be this collision that exists. And if it's not talked about ahead of time, that can be a real problem. That can be a real problem. They, it is something they've got to discuss up front. And yeah, have a plan think about it from the front, also, or from the beginning, also sets you up for the rest of the marriage and how you're gonna handle mm-hmm. debt. Because sometimes you will have debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just from the very beginning, talking about, and it's not about blaming one that. Okay. Right. Well, why were you the one that? Why did you take out all those loans? That's not what it's no. about. It's it's it, this is the way it is. This is what we're this is what we're dealt with. What we are dealing with, and so how do we yeah. deal with this? Well, you and you. And then what's our view yeah. moving forward? Well, you didn't bring any debt into the relationship. I right. did. Right. I did. I brought the school loans and right. Had some. I didn't hold that against nope. you, but it was like okay, how do but we, we handle you know, it? And and it was a few years in, and we was able to get that thing paid off. So, kick Sally May out to the streets. You know what I'm saying? So, that is the financial that's component. The money, that's the money talk. Money content. Yeah, that's the money context. Expectations. I think this is probably a little, this can be just as big, if not bigger than money. So... When it comes to expectations, um, without even knowing it, a bride and groom are drawn into acting out roles they form from a blend of their personal dispositions, family backgrounds, and marital expectations. And there are an endless number of unconscious roles that husbands and wives will fall into. Now, I've got in my hand the list of expectations that um these are expectations that either the couple will agree on or 
they need to decide on. And this is in the assessment. Uh-huh. That so look at for, go through. And now I'm not gonna list all of these. Right. But let's just let's just throw out Do a few. Um because there's like how many, you think? Well, let's just use ours. Who cleans the toilets? How many are on this list, Spencer? Uh there's probably twenty that are on here. Who all right, so for here's one. And and what the assessment is asking you to do, each individual mm-hmm. is marking who they think should tackle these t- That's right. That's in right. In the marriage. This would be their role, their duty. That's right. And so each are marking their own assessment for what they feel should be done while the other person is marking theirs and this tool in Simbus puts it together and compiles it showing where you you maybe both agree or where you don't agree that's right okay so here's one okay gassing up the car what did we say who I say well, both. Well, you say both now because when when you, when you were driving when Go you were driving being... No, but when you were driving the you, you would have to fill up your car with gas. Hey, we both get some Yeah, exactly. But but there was a but there was a time that gassing up the car was my responsibility. Oh yeah. When? Oh, early, early in the marriage, it was like if it if your car was not gassed up, I had to go do it. Oh, oh, well, that's not what I'm. That's not what that's asking. No, I, no, 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 no. Yes, no, it is. No, it isn't. I totally disagree with you. Okay, because if it is ten o'clock at night and I'm like, oh, I forgot to get gas, that is your responsibility. <laughs> that's your responsibility. <laughs> you don't send your wife out at ten o'clock at night to go gas her car. But I am not helpless in that. I need Spencer every time to gas my car. I can never pump gas, and I don't touch a gas pump, and I don't know how to run my debit card or go into a gas station. No, that's a little antiquated. Um, I think because back in the day, it kind of was. The women did not, like you even had at the Hess gas station, there was no self-service back Mm -hmm. in the day. Right. So I think maybe it it kind of was more. But no, when we got married, I I did my own gas. That wasn't, no. You're dreaming. Grocery shopping. Okay. I would have said when we got married, it was me, mm-hmm. and you would have said the same. Yes. Okay. I would have. Yeah. <coughs> I would have. Okay. okay. Um, scheduling social events. I early on that was both of us. Yeah. We would have agreed on a lot. The things maybe that we wouldn't have agreed on, I made it very clear from the beginning. Doing the dishes. Cutting grass. You made it very clear on toilets. That was the first thing you told me. I don't do toilets. See, women, if you just say it, you know, in the <laughs> period, what you'll do and you won't do. Yeah. Just let it be known. And he's uh, informed. He's been informed. Been informed. Okay. <laughs> does that go both ways? Sure. No, it doesn't. But you didn't tell me. It doesn't. 
You didn't tell me. It does not go both ways. You? It, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I mean, even if I did say something, it doesn't matter. No, it's that whole, it's that whole what's, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if yard work is my responsibility. Yes. And it's not your responsibility, then should your opinion count? Wow, you don't want me to give an opinion sometimes, but here's the thing. Yeah, if you would just do it the way I like it, then. Well, if you want it done a certain way, then you get your rear end out there and go do it. Oh, I don't want to sweat. I mean, and be if you ain't willing to put in the work, then leave your opinion to yourself. Maybe there's some compromising here. That might need to happen. Um, but can you see how we might would answer things differently, but go back to the that basis that you said at the beginning, that it was our dispositions, mm-hmm. okay? Some of my answers have to do with allergies and, right, I'm not, not pleasurable to me. It's dispositions. It's maybe our family backgrounds and what we saw our mother and our father do. Exactly. Or not doing. Uh-huh. And then just our own, yeah, expectations. Auto maintenance. Oh, okay. Who's the, I say you. It's me. But I don't I don't know a lot about cars to know. What yeah. is that clean clacking noise going? I don't know. I, I even describe it. Clacking noise. I don't know. Oh, somewhere up there or back there. And I hear this noise. Yeah. And, and then then I actually you wouldn't even say anything if there was something going on in the car. I would get in the car. You would hear it. And I go, and I go, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I would hear something going, there's something not right with the car. Forget. Why haven't you told me this? Forget listening. And you forget. Driving. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you want a few more? I don't care. Uh, yes. Not <laughs> Uh, we'll do a couple more. Okay. Um, laundry. Ooh. Uh, Who's responsible for the laundry? Me. Yeah. You still mainly do the laundry, but I do the laundry. Do I help out. Uh huh. Or if I need to have my clothes washed. Don't you? As I as I, you know, we're talking about this. It makes me think. It's not that this is legalistic of. You have to do the yard work and I do the inside stuff. I mean, we're not being like that because we do share. There's some sharing and cooperation that I think is important in a marriage. But at the same time, there are some duties and things that we don't have to talk about. You know, I go check the laundry hamper and gather the dirty clothes up and put it in the washing machine. Mm -hmm. And... Yes, you check the outside and do our outside and grass when it's too tall. You know, when I think about these expectations, when I think about the expectations, yeah, and I see this list, it really comes down to one thing. What? In the marriage, uh-huh. we are to serve one another. That's a great way to say it. We're to serve one another. Yeah. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it if you it, whatever it, that looks like, whatever that looks like for y'all. 
it's it's about serving one another in the marriage and if that means you don't do toilets well okay then i'll do the toilets if that means that you're gonna do the laundry well i'll help you if if you're gonna cook a meal maybe i clean the dishes and That's what I'm talking about. The we share the cooperation. Yeah, of coming together. And yeah, sometimes maybe I need to step in and do this. Not, you know, saying, that's not my job. That's not my That's yeah. not what I signed up for. But right. a cooperation, a serving element. Mm-hmm. It just comes down to just serving one another. That's good. So. That's good. So those are two big pieces of baggage that we said you might be bringing into a new marriage but it's it's also baggage that can accumulate in a marriage that's very good so i think you know it's important that even if you've been married for a little while or a long time, these are things that are still good to talk about, to revisit, you know, our money style, our views, our budgeting, um, tools that can help us, and conversations about finances. Right. It's just healthy. And the same can be said of expectations and revisiting that, you know, because seasons do change with whether it's with jobs with e- that each other has or kids and the ages of your kids and revisiting those expectations. Mm-hmm. And maybe like you said, it would just go a long way to ask your spouse, how can I serve you? Right. Yeah. I like that. A good question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in asking, you know, honestly asking that, and and being willing to do it. Yeah, and I would bet that they'll probably reciprocate and ask the same yeah. question back of you. So, two biggest pieces of baggage between money and expectations. If you get on a budget and you stay disciplined on that budget and when it comes to your expectations if you focus on serving your spouse and dying to self and serving them in a way that builds them up but also demonstrates that you know you guys are a team in the relationship um then it will set you up for success it'll set you up for clarity it'll set you up for um probably a maybe i'm not going to say it's going to reduce stress but i do think that you can carry the stress load better together than individually yes absolutely and and you walk together you're not walking in polar opposite directions you know and there and it it It'll and here's the other thing it does. It eliminates guilt and frustration when there is understanding and clarity in roles, as well as in a heart that serves their spouse. Um, it eliminates guilt and it eliminates 
frustration in the relationship. That's is what a good the, thing. Yep, absolutely. So with that, as we wrap up, if you are interested in some premarital coaching and taking the Simbus assessment, please reach out to us. You can uh, find us on Instagram at uh, cord underscore of underscore three. Or you can also contact us by email. I will leave our email in the show notes. And we'd also like to ask you to leave us a review on your uh, podcast platforms, whatever you, wherever you leave a review, your reviews are important. Yes, we appreciate you listening and sharing. Yes. And anybody that, you know, sends us a text or says, hey, thanks for the, for the, for the word, we are grateful for that. Please let this be something that you share with your friends, your family, uh, or anybody that you know that is um, in, in, in thinking about marriage and family um, and they need somebody to talk to, we'd love to be able to do that. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening in to the Quarter 3 podcast. We love you and are grateful for you. And remember that two are better than one and a quarter of three strands is not easily broken. broken.